Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The following podcast is designed to entertain and inform. The views and opinions expressed by the guests participating in this podcast are solely their own based on their own experiences and do not represent the views and opinions of the hosts, Erios, Tradecraft Media, and or any distributor of this podcast. I didn't have in my mind, you know, this whole plan. Uh, it's not like, you know, I, I sort of mission impossible this. It was almost, uh, you know, a combination of luck and opportunity. No preparation. I just went on set as Tigger that day in Critter Country. I was just basically thinking, okay, well, I'll just start, like, walking. Oh, my God. Maybe it was a little Mission Impossible, <laughs> uh, you know, just because the rest of the team, they were in full support. And, you know, I started with this momentum, like, holy crap, you know, I'm just, I'm going to do this. I'm going to walk off and I'll never come back. And my chest started swelling up and, you know, I started getting this confidence, especially with the support of, you know, everyone else. And, and so I, I just sort of followed through all the way to the front gate where I, I got a handstand. <laughs> Wait, on your paw? Yeah, on my paw, like <laughs> right on my paw, as, as if it was part of the show. Like, hello, Tigger, nice to see you here today. Would you like to leave the park? Yes. Yes, I would. Uh, thank you for asking me. <laughs> and uh, I just watched Try it out. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is Keys to the Kingdom, Episode 3 Breaking the Rules. Today, the dark and seedy world of the theme park miscreants. We'll hear from the rebels and the renegades who dared to take arms, or perhaps pause, against the sacred theme park code of conduct. To be fair, it's almost impossible not to break the rules at some point when you work at a place like Disney. They run a very tight ship, but there are those, the conformists, if you will, the true believers who don't mean to break the rules, and those who, let's just say, have an adverse reaction to certain corporate policies. Is revolutionary too strong a term? I don't think so. Which type of theme park employee were you, Matt? I think I know the answer. Oh, I was a Disney bad boy. I am so attracted to you right now. <laughs> well, how could you not be? So let's dive into some of these stories of crime and punishment. Here is Rebecca Lumiansky, a former Agva, recounting the tale of an Aladdin who committed a little too hard to his character. My very first theme park job at Disneyland called Comedy 911. 
It was an improv group that was put together to entertain people waiting in line when they opened up the Indiana Jones attraction. And we were interacting with the Aladdin and he decided that as part of his gag, he was going to start stealing fruit off the fruit cart. So you guys were Agva Union performers and the Aladdin wouldn't have been, right? Right. He was in the character department. We wanted to play along. We would just let him do his shtick of stealing fruit off the cart and running around and we would, I don't even remember how we were interacting with him. Well, this got the attention of the secret security that was in Disneyland one day. (laughs) And we all got pulled in and questioned. And we were just sitting there and these plainclothes guys walked into the break room. Wait, is this is because actual fruit had been stolen? Because he was taking fruit off the vendor cart. But that's what Aladdin does in the movie. I think what he did was he put it in Frank's pocket. Frank was one of the fellow Agva comedy performers. And I think Frank ate the banana out of his pocket. He ate it. And he threw the peel away. And then these plainclothes security guys came in and said, excuse me, we need to see the banana. (laughs) (laughs) And we're all just like, nobody wants to say anything because we know we saw Frank eat the banana. (laughs) (laughs) And it became this big, huge thing. And we all had to go write reports. And Aladdin, I believe he was either suspended or fired for that whole interaction. Oh, my God. The rest of us got a slap on the hand. And here's Jeff Davis, another former fuzzy. You might remember him from episode two with another tale of theme park thievery, this time at Universal Studios. They were adding the Jurassic Park ride and they were announcing that they were going to do walk around characters. They were going to do have uh, a Jeff Goldblum walk around character. And I'm like, I'm auditioning for the Jeff Goldblum character. I went down to the prop lot for the costumes and there's a giant prop warehouse. And it's, it's just fun to go walk around. And this is pre-cameras everywhere, pre-security. I mean, they have security there, but it's not super tight. So I walked down to the costumes and said, can I borrow a leather jacket for an audition for the park? And they go, yeah. I go over to the hand prop lot because you got to have Professor Malcolm's glasses. You got to have those. So I go into the prop lot and there's a dude behind his glass case and it's a sea of eyewear. It's like every time anyone puts spectacles on in a universal film from the beginning of time is in this case. (laughs) And I go, do you have Jeff Goldblum's glasses from Jurassic Park? And he goes, yeah, I've got them in uh, clear and tinted. And I go, well, let me see the tinted ones. And uh, I put him on, and he walks away. And I, so did I. So, <laughs> oh, these are them. Oh my God. These are the actual Dr. Malcolm glasses, handmade in France, Beausoleil, Paris. <laughs> I'm so happy about these. I'm, I'm assuming the statute of limitations is off on me robbing Universal. If they come to take the glasses away, I, we had a good run. <laughs> <laughs> Theft was definitely a big deal at Disney. They consistently drilled into you just how valuable your individually issued costume pieces were. We're talking tens of thousands of dollars. But even if people didn't steal, the thought always crossed your mind. I mean, who wouldn't want Sleeping Beauty's tiara for their own? And not saying I have one. I knew it. Sometimes things get stolen by accident. Like they go in your tote bag and you just walk out with them and it's not until later you realize you have them. But you put it in the tote bag. What is this, an interrogation? But no, wait, did you really steal from Disneyland? No, I did not steal from Disney. The only thing I did steal, I did steal from Disney, were a (laughs) pair of ratty old bloomers that I used to wear under my Cinderella gown. And I wore them as pajama pants for like a decade. You're wearing them right now. They were very comfortable. Oh. 
But some of the princesses would get a lot more handsy, like a princess we used to call Klepto Belle, who systematically stole each piece of her costume over the course of an entire year, including her wig and hoop skirt. And word on the street was she was wearing her entire Belle ensemble working the bootleg princess party circuit. The bootleg princess party circuit. Let's just let that sink in. I worked it. A lot of the girls did. These are birthday parties that I would do as a princess, but they had no affiliation with Disney. Now, they're in the legal gray area, but historically, Disney has had no luck prosecuting the companies that run these birthday parties. But oh, they've tried. Yes, they have. I was basically a party clown, but I was making double what I would make at Disney for less than half the work. Although on the flip side, some of the parties I did were a little strange. Here's Amanda and her comedy partner, Maria Blasucci, to talk about an experience they had performing at one of these infamous and shadowy birthday parties. Maria, do you remember it was years ago and I came to you with a business proposition? I said, hey, do you want to make some quick cash? No, I remember this like it happened earlier this morning. (laughs) That's how much it stayed with me. So I was called upon to do a birthday party as Rapunzel. Every once in a while, when I would do a birthday party, the parents would pop for you to have a assistant and we would call them a royal page. And it would basically be someone who would come with you to the party and they would help you with organizing the games and face painting and balloon animals. And typically they were someone who maybe had a little bit more experience as far as face painting and a little bit more talent as far as making balloon animals. But on this particular Sunday morning, all the pages were booked. So what you're saying is this family said, I want to splurge on the Rapunzel page package. And the party company went, Amanda, we can't find a page. Know anyone? Yeah. And I said, I know a girl who's down for anything. And I know she needs $75 in her pocket. Okay. Yeah. And then what did you think when you saw the outfit you had to wear? Par for the course. I didn't think anything of it, truly. I thought, yeah, that makes sense that I'd have to wear. What what was it? It was like, did I have to wear a big hat? You're essentially dressed like a prince. So you had a purple sort of velvet. I don't know what you'd call it, a poncho with maybe some sort of royal lettering on it. I I do remember thinking to myself, this isn't going to fool anybody is maybe what I I just I was thinking to myself. This is a bad idea for a kid's birthday party, because it feels like if I were a kid and I saw Rapunzel walk in and then I saw this thing, I'd go, well, wait a minute. I do remember your hat had a really big feather on it. I was dressed like a fool. Amanda's was dressed like a beautiful princess and I was dressed like like a fool. Rapunzel's fool. And so this party was like deep, deep in the valley. And it was a huge McMansion. I remember sitting around in like a fancy living room and we were both sort of tag teaming face painting. And I probably, I can't imagine I didn't say to you, you know, Amanda, I'm like the least artistic person you probably know. So I don't know if this is a good idea. (laughs) For some reason, the birthday girl got ushered over to me and she wanted a rainbow. I thought that would be easy enough. But um, (laughs) I started using all the colors. And when she turned her cheek and she faced Amanda, Amanda was horrified because I I had just all the colors had run together and she just had a a black arch on her face. It almost looked like it turned kind of like a blackish brown color and almost looked just like a large sort of mole. (laughs) 
was going like, what is that? And I said, it's a rainbow. And then this birthday girl for the next hour and a half, I had to watch the birthday girl walking around her own party (laughs) with this face paint on. That was so embarrassing for me. Like this poor girl couldn't see it. And her parents were probably like, why does our daughter just have this splotch on her face? These parties, you know, you got paid pretty decently. So I think I would normally make about a hundred bucks. And then on top of that, you would get a usually generous tip at the end of the party. And so we had done a successful party. And the dad came in and he just said, yo, Rapunzel, you get high. And you, you know, I remember you, you said, yeah, I think I was still half in character. So I was like, well, every once in a while. <laughs> well, what else is she going to do up in that tower? I know. And so then he left the room and he came back in with a little Princess Dixie cup. And he handed it to me. And inside was like a very generous medicinal portion of marijuana. Right. And then we put it together that this was the McMansion that medical marijuana bought. One of my favorite things you've said about those parties that you've done is sometimes after you'd leave a party, the kids would kind of look out the window as you got into your Honda Accord. And so you'd be... be Just as Ariel, you know, trying to open your car and all these kids would have their faces pressed against the window. Look, mom, Ariel drives a Honda. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of weed, here's Sonam Ovsessian, my comrade and co-host on the Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend podcast. I had gone to Disneyland with two of my really good friends and we are all adult women. And so I had a container of edibles and I didn't even try to hide it. I mean, I think it had the giant marijuana leaf on the container. It could not have been more obvious what it was. So I had this little fanny pack. So like you do when you go to Disneyland, I was going through security and I opened it up and almost comically, it just fell out. (laughs) And the guy looked at me and he looked at the container and he's like, you can't bring that in here. He looked at me like you didn't even try to hide it. And I said, oh, I, you know, I thought it's okay because it's legal. And he goes, no, this is Disneyland. (laughs) We go to this trash can that's behind the check-in area and we're in there and we're like, let's just put it in a bag and try to go back in again. And so while we're doing it, another security guard comes with her like cohorts, not the one we were talking to. And she goes, we know what you're trying to do. And I very honestly was like, yeah, we're, tr- we're trying to just put the edibles in a different bag so we could take it inside. <laughs> and she's no, no, you cannot bring marijuana edibles into Disneyland. And I said, oh, you know, even if we like hide it, you know, and she goes, no, 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 you can't bring it in there. So I was like, OK. And so we just throw it away in the trash can. And she says, no, 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 you cannot throw it away in the trash can. You have to dispose of it in another way. And I go, why can't we just put it in the trash can? She says, well, this is Disneyland. What if a kid puts their hand inside the trash can and takes out your edibles and then takes up? And I'm like, what, what kind of kids are putting their hands in these trash cans? And shouldn't you be watching them instead of and me, you narc? I know. Go pay attention to the kids putting their hands in trash cans. You know, their parents pay hundreds of dollars to get them in here. They're not trash can kids, but whatever. So I think what she wanted us to do was take it back to our car, drive our car off of Disneyland property, throw it away in a trash can that has nothing to do with Disneyland and then come back. And I was like, well, we can't go back to our car. We just paid all this money to park. And, you know, it's going to take us forever to get off. And I'm talking to her a lot. And I think at this point, she's getting a little annoyed and frustrated with me because I'm just like, ugh, I don't want to drive my car off the lot. Like It's just marijuana edibles. And then uh, from what I remember, she was like, 
you have to decide what you do here. Your day can end now. And then she said this. She goes, for Mickey's sake, please make the right decision. And I, I remember just being like, whose sake? She goes, for Mickey's sake. I go, mouse? She goes, yeah, for Mickey's sake. And I remember just being like, do they make you say that? Like I said it to her kind of like, you can tell me like, do they make you say that? And she goes, no, no one makes me say that. And that's when I was like, oh, she drank the Kool-Aid deep with this. She's a true believer. That's a line she may have made up. Do they train you to say things like that, Matt? No, but there are people that do talk like that there. This has been one of the through lines in my time there about how cultish it can be. And there would be managers that would leave the break rooms by saying, have a Disney day. No. <laughs> the break rooms. They're not yeah. even out there with the kids and the right. guests. You know, I kept talking to her and I realized like after a while, she was just like, just leave them here. We'll take care of it. You know, and oh. I was like, OK, I know what you're going to do. You're going to take yeah. the full container I have of these like chocolate blueberries or whatever I brought. And you're going to have a good day after work. Yeah, for Mickey's sake. For- <laughs> So we gave them our edibles and then she was like, "Okay, thanks. You can, you know, have a great day. And then we're like, how are we going to have a great day now? You know, you know, uh, we can't go on Mr. Toad's wild ride like sober. That ride is insane. You know, the people who made that ride were on more than weed. So we're like walking to security and my friend goes, I have mints. We're like, where do you have your mints? She goes, with my allergy medication. It just blends in. So you can't tell that they're edibles. And we're like, oh my God, don't say anything. She's like, do you think I should risk it? I was like, you have to risk it. Otherwise, (laughs) we're going to be at Disneyland all day, completely sober. And we have to, you know. So we go in and we immediately go to the restroom and we just take a bunch of mints and we just have the best day at Disneyland. And the whole day, and I don't know if there's any validity to this, but I really felt as though people were watching us. Well, isn't that what marijuana does to you? (laughs) (laughs) It makes you kind of paranoid. But you're also not paranoid if people really are watching you. So what is the reality? Oh my God. This pot squad. Yeah. The Disney Vice Squad. The NARC. 21 Main Street. (laughs) But they never came after you again and you enjoyed your day. We had a really, really great day. Like we always do. I love going to Disneyland and going when you're high on edibles is like a whole other experience. It's fun. Although one time I took too many and I thought Pirates of the Caribbean was real for a second. Oh, so nice. You know that part where you're going in and they're battling the two ships? We were going in and I was like, why is everyone so calm? (laughs) (laughs) Don't they know we're entering an existential threat? (laughs) Now I have kids. I can't go high anymore. I have to make sure they're okay. The sooner they go off to college, the better. Yeah. I can't wait for golden years, Sonam of Sessian, high (laughs) on chocolate blueberry edibles in the water of Pirates of the Caribbean trying to take down a cannon fort. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. It's not really a surprise that Disney and weed pair well together. Matt, you and I, the first time we went to Disney together, maybe took a couple little hits. I will neither confirm or deny that. But we weren't working there at the time. Now, here's someone who paired pot with a day at Disney, only this time he wasn't a guest. He was none other than the mayor of Main Street himself, but he swears he didn't inhale. Because he took edibles? Yeah. And for that reason, he's chosen to be anonymous and have his voice disguised for job security. Yes, he may want to run for office again, and he doesn't need that skeleton in his closet. Mr. Mayor, please tell us about yourself. Hi, my name is Bob Woodward. Hey, wait, that's me in this scenario. Oh, sorry. What was Deep Throat's real name? Mark Felt. Hey, what's up? I'm Mark Felt. Whoa, the real Deep Throat. That's right. Tell us your story. Okay, so here's what happened. A friend of mine had given me as a birthday present a THC-laced Rice Krispie Treat. And I should have known when this Rice Krispie Treat was bright green that <laughs> it was going to be a problematic thing for me to do. Because at the time, I was working as the mayor of Main Street during the 50th anniversary of Disneyland. The way that that job worked is every morning at 10 a.m., I would have a big speech to the crowd, the big five, Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Pluto, Goofy and the Disneyland band were all right there in front of me in town square. Dove release over my head at the end of this speech. And then I would spend most of the rest of the day just walking around Main Street, green folks, and late in the afternoon, my job was to grand marshal the 50th anniversary parade. And we would pick a family for the day that would be the honorary grand marshals, and I would sit in the car and I would announce them. So, it was my birthday, I had finished the morning show, I knew I had this Rice Krispie treat, and I thought to myself, <laughs> I have a few hours off right now, I know what I'll do, I'll have my Rice Krispie treat. I'll chill for a little while. You know, I won't even eat the whole thing. My friend Carl Bernstein is going to have the other half of this. We're going to split this Rice Krispie treat in half at lunchtime. It's going to be great. It's going to be real mild. I'm going to get mellow, and then I'll be totally fine by the time we do the show. We're in the dressing room. We split this Rice Krispie treat, and I think to myself, I'm going to go upstairs and have a cigarette. This is back when I smoked. Go upstairs, sit out in the smoking area, light myself a cigarette, and immediately think, 
oh no. <laughs> because it hit me fast. And an edible is not supposed to hit you fast. Right. So this thing starts to hit. And I'm like, it's cool. Calm down. You're going to be fine. You've got hours. But are you at all worried that because it's an edible and you having hours means you're only at the tip of the iceberg, this thing could be coming on even stronger? That was some expert level foreshadowing, my friend. I finish my cigarette, I go back down into the dressing room, and two things have happened in the interim. One, my buddy Carl Bernstein has turned on the TV, and it's the Hitler channel. Some old black and white footage of Hitler, and he is sitting on the couch staring directly at the Hitler channel, eyes wide. It could be because he wanted to watch this World War II footage. It could also be because he was trying to stay distracted from the fact that our two bosses had just shown up, and we did not think about that when we fully just threw away a loose, open Ziploc bag that reeked of weed in the trash can right by the front door of the room. But for whatever reason, we got out of that unscathed. The problem now was that three hours later, I have to do my parade, and this thing is just peeking. <laughs> As I am starting up the parade route, which begins up by It's a Small World and carries us all the way down to Main Street. So you're Rocky Mountain High, and I'm assuming literally high up on a float and seeing all these fantastical images and parade floats. It was less about the performers on stage and more about the audience off stage for me, because I don't know if you've ever tried marijuana, but sometimes when you do, you get that feeling that other people are looking at you. <laughs> Have you ever had the experience of literally having everyone look at you, thousands <laughs> of them, and waving and smiling? <laughs> at the same time, the cottonmouth is kicking in. So I'm trying to announce this very nice family whose name I do not remember. And my mouth is so dry that every time I try to form words, I wind up looking like I'm doing a fire marshal bill from In Living Color Impression when Jim Carrey would just tuck his lip up under his teeth. And it, <laughs> that's what kept happening to me. I made it through, I got back, and Carl Bernstein and I uh, laughed about it afterwards. But in that moment, yeah. Ooh. Every mayor should have to go through that just to see if they pass muster. Yeah, exactly. If you're a mayor, you should be able to handle a stressful situation. And high in a vintage fire truck while everyone is staring at you, and uh, you're being chased by a poo unit, which consists of, you know, Winnie the Pooh, Piglet, and Tigger. <laughs> you should be able to handle that if you're a mayor. But Sona and Deep Throat slash Mark Fell are actually in good company as Disney rule breakers. That's right. Here's a legendary story about a celebrity bad boy on the backlot from film critic, screenwriter, and former Universal Studios tour guide, Drew McQueenie. So one of the things they would do is when you were in training, give you stories about horrible examples of tours gone wrong. And the apocalyptic story to end all stories they told us was about the making of Airwolf. I guess Jan Michael Vincent liked his afternoon refreshments and had had several afternoon refreshments. Just for the listeners, Airwolf was a famous primetime hour-long action drama with Jan Michael Vincent and Ernest Borgnine. And uh, they were shooting in what they call the greens department, which is where they grow all the plants and maintain all the plants that they use on sound stages throughout the back lot. Tram comes through, parks, they all start taking pictures, and Jan Michael Vincent decides he's not going to be photographed this afternoon and proceeds to walk to the edge of the tram 
looking down into the tram, undoes his pants, and begins to urinate directly onto the tourists. <laughs> right into the side of the tram. At which point, everybody loses their minds. Of course, like, it's the end of the world. And what Universal ends up having to do is have Ernest Borgnine take personal photos with every single person on the tram, and Ernest Borgnine worked the tram for, like, an hour to make sure everyone was okay. <laughs> and, they, and they really did damage control. In the opening of this episode, you heard from a former Tigger on his last day at Disney. His exit from the job is the stuff of legend, but more on that in a bit. Here he is to tell us how he found a clever way to break the rules by following the rules. You know, the Disney look wasn't really congruent with me at that time. Um, I wanted to have long hair and it was down to my shoulders. And I thought to myself, well, I'm going to either have to make a choice. Either I'm going to stay here and do this job or, or cut my hair. And I was very rebellious uh, at the time and uh, studying law of all things. And so I looked at the bylaws. I love this. <laughs> uh, you know, Disney has these rules, but rules are written and words, you know, they can be observed in many different lights. And so I, I found uh, the line that describes some parts of the Disney look, one of them being the hairstyle. And there is an actual line or two that describes if someone does wear a wig, they're allowed to, and you can't question them as to why they're wearing it. It could be for medical reasons or a multitude of reasons, uh -huh. all of which would be inappropriate to question in a, in a professional setting. So I got a wig. <laughs> <laughs> and so you have long shoulder length hair that you yeah. are now tucking up under a wig for the purposes of hiding that longer. Absolutely. Got it. And I learned from the face characters, right? They, they do it every day. They're pinning up their long hair. And, you know, these girls were very interested, curious, almost why am I even considering this? And figured out how to wear a skull cap, how to pin it correctly. And what was your wig like? It was this sort of, you know, originally a, a, a female sort of cut. And I had to cut it down into this kind of pixie <laughs> hair look. Um, I love the irony that you're cutting a wig to not <laughs> cut your own hair. Very meta, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so I um, cut it to the most boyish look I could think of. And, and then, uh, you know, pinned it up every single day oh, and wore wow. it in costume. If you observed me close enough, you'd see, okay, this is something that's going on here. This is not real hair. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of the managers who had an in for me to, to make an example. I think out of me and confronted me privately and said, okay, you're wearing a wig. You're going to do this every day. And I said, yeah, I'm absolutely allowed to. So I'm going to, and I'm putting in the work. Uh, so I'll go ahead and just keep on rolling. Um, <laughs> it definitely, I think, uh, landed in this defiant sense to this manager and eventually um, grabbed a, a group of managers and confronted me. I was instructed in a kind of almost display of like scarlet lettering, you know, like you take it off right here, right now uh, in front of all of us to show us what you're doing and how ridiculous all of this is. And I said, no, I'm not going to take this wig off. And you really can't tell me to. You know, it's in the law and et cetera. And he's like, yeah, 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 we know that, but you're going to go ahead and take it off. And I doubled down and said, absolutely not. Wow. You guys have no right to tell me how I should look. I'm a costume character for crying out loud. I even chose a position where it wasn't, you know, contingent on the way I looked. I was able to get a, sort of away with this and continue to kind of doing my thing. And in that I didn't get, you know, fired. It kind of caused another movement to happen with other cast members who thought, you know what? I want to grow my hair out too. <laughs> 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 Start a little micro rebellion, you know? So I thought, okay, I can at least, you know, have my long hair, be an example of saying, you know, chill out. It's okay, right? We're all here to have fun and do a great job and we can be who we want to be. And rise up with wigs. Yeah, and rise up with wigs. <laughs> but let's get to the real reason Nader is known throughout the theme park world as such a legendary bad boy. Because he has the most infamous last day on the job. You heard a little of it at the very beginning of this episode, but the best way to tell the story is to rip it straight from the pages of Reddit, where the legend has been printed. 
The best firing story ever is the story of a guy named Nader. I can use the name because there's no way in hell they'll ever hire him again. He was Tigger all the way back by the poo ride. He decided that it was his last day. He decided this, so he bounced all the way through the park, past the other Tigger in town square and out the front gate. Then he decided, fuck it, he was already that far, so he hopped over to Disney's California Adventure Park, hopped all over that park and straight into a show that was going on. By this point, management was freaking out because what could they do? You can't take down Tigger in front of hundreds of kids. You just can't. So they waited while he performed in a show he was not involved in and finally got him backstage. LOL. Honestly, I think he deserved a Medal of Honor. Not a firing, but hey, long live Nader. So is that fairly accurate? Yes. Maybe without the, you know, here it shows a lot of intention. Like I I really thought this through and planned it. Never would have thought that it would cause such a stir the weeks and and then years rolled by and the story never really went away. I'd get told like, hey, I told that story or hey, I heard that story in the break room. Or now there was a, 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 you know, mention that it's told during training, like a kind of, I can't believe we have to mention this to you guys, but please don't leave the park in costume. (laughs) (laughs) How does that make you feel? Little, little famous. I love this Reddit fame thing. That's, yeah. uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I remember people telling me that they're telling this story uh, after I left. There's almost this sort of idea of my name detached from the story. Yeah. I felt a little bit like this is how legends are born, yeah, you know? You're a myth, man. I'm a myth. I have a feeling that people who haven't worked at theme parks hear that story and are like, what's the big deal? But for me and other people who have had that experience, your jaw is on the floor. That's because the Disney workplace trades on a fear-based currency. Now, I'm not trying to be too sensational about it, but in my experience, there was always a war between creativity and rules. We were never encouraged to think for ourselves, and when we did, we were often punished. Not for doing anything wrong, per se, but for doing something different. When I say Disney runs on a fear-based currency, the managers, with the exception of a few free spirits, were so often afraid of getting in trouble they would hardly ever make a decision. I saw many promotions in the entertainment department go to the less creative people, those that wouldn't cause a fuss. They rewarded the fearful. There, my tirade is finished. Am I still cool? Never were. But you know what? Disney's a mega corporation. They know what they're doing and it's run like a well-oiled machine. And if you don't like it, you're welcome to get a job at Magic Mountain. God, no. This podcast will self-destruct in five seconds. Next episode, we need to talk about the fans. Go behind the scenes of Keys to the Kingdom with eight full-length bonus companion episodes featuring numerous extended and never-before-heard interviews as well as loads of hot theme park gossip. Plus, get all regular Keys to the Kingdom episodes ad-free as they release. Simply click the link in the show description. Keys to the Kingdom was created, written, produced, edited, and hosted by Amanda Lund and Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Erios, Matt Gorley, and Amanda Lund. Mixed and mastered by Brett Morris. Associate produced by Alex Paul. Sound design and artwork by Matt Gorley. Production coordination by Alex Paul and Crystal Dinsberg. Special thanks to Veronica Taylor, Tim Ruggieri, Tatiana Matias at Acast, and Martha Little, Amor Yates, and Nicholas Sotomayor at Audible. If you have a story about working at a theme park, email us at themeparkhotline at gmail.com and we might use it for a future episode or season. Keys to the Kingdom is an Erios production in conjunction with Tradecraft Media. 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.